0: hello and welcome to another episode of the bench units podcast um i'm here joined always by mark schofield and Never we also have it. a guest this week we are joined by the one
1: the only lee manning welcome lee how are you doing
0: yeah really good thank you thanks for having me
1: no the worries. one the on. only man with a picture of himself as his zoom background oh i've changed <laughs> it now
2: you've tra- I've changed it now you guilt me out of it
1: yeah i know we have to tell people
0: because it <laughs> can't just be for our amusement <laughs> So what, what's that now? What what skyline is that behind you? It's a default picture, mate. I couldn't tell you.
1: <laughs> ah, okay. O- always, ju- if anyone asks you what skyline it is, always just pick a city in China because people will want to appear cultural and distinguished and just nod along.
2: It's Sheffield. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: thought I, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> so, I recognised it. Um, yeah. So Lee, thanks for coming on, man. I think this might be our quickest ever turnaround in terms of the idea of getting a guest on and actually having them show up. Um, because I th- we only spoke to you about doing this while James and Ben were streaming yesterday, which is less than 24 hours ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, pre- I think our-, our longest record is Amy Conroy, who went about four and a half months before we were able to get her on, um, including at one point booking a flight to Slovenia on the <laughs> weekend we were meant to be recording and then texting me being like, hey, I'm off to Slovenia, we'll rearrange. So thank you for not making that level of effort to get out of doing this.
2: Uh, it's all right. now. I mean, I could have started coming up with excuses when James changed the link three times to join them. <laughs> no, I just went with it.
1: <laughs> you yeah, could have just I, been sat on the other link for a full yeah. hour and being like, well, I guess they're not showing up. I hope yeah. I hope someone's hit record for this.
0: Right, I sent the link, closed Zoom, came back and was like, oh yeah, that's gone. Though. Gone forever. <laughs> but yeah, the good thing is you couldn't just go to Slovenia right now. I assume because of the whole pandemic thing. Like, so this was. You can like- give it a go if you want me to leave. No, it's fine. <laughs> this is twenty-four hours in the making, but really, I had a bat in soup a year and a half ago, so that you couldn't go to Slovenia. And here <laughs> we-
1: uh. Oh man, we're yeah, off right.
0: track already. Should we? Should we try and right the ship here, Mark, or yeah, we just let it go? I don't know. I insult you no. to
2: it first? Well, uh, yeah. I want to go for it. How come this is the first time you've asked him to be on? I've known you two both for over 14 years or something crazy like that. (laughs) And this is the first time you've been on. Ben and Tom, you've maybe only known for six years. They've been on it about three or four times. What is this?
0: (laughs) Ben lived with Mark while we were
1: starting this up. Is kind of the first thing.
2: I knew Mark before the beard, before puberty.
1: Oh, behave. I've (laughs) always had the beard, man, since the womb. It's terrible. Can I, no, can I
0: just say that, that we absolutely don't need to take this. Um, no, also, I said to you yesterday, like, you've got a wife and two kids. I assumed you had something better to do on a Thursday at 12 than <laughs> come and talk to us about nothing. But, like, I don't know. There's certain people in my head that I'm like, ah, they probably actually have real stuff to do. They might not be that. Ad-. And then I realized that you, like, play Call of Duty with Ben every day. So, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I did think about that. I wonder if we've like made that assumption by mistake, and actually we should be targeting like married parents because they're like, "Oh, please, just get <laughs> get me away from the kids for a little bit." But I've chucked my kids down in the
2: basement as well, so they're quiet.
1: Oh, wicked! Um, for the I,
2: record, just for the point of this, there's, that's their playroom. I'm not a bad parent. I was yeah, going to say, just for the record. record,
1: that's the same <laughs> process I take with my dogs when we record. <laughs> like, hey, get downstairs and stay there um but yeah just to your point about how long you've known us both we were very briefly prepping for this yesterday and I realized Lee the last time we were teammates which is the year you were at Steelers prior to going to San Stefano is coming up on 10 years which seems thoroughly insane um I'd not thought about it in those terms but I guess when you think it was pre-2012 year that makes some level of sense but man that feels like a long long time ago wow yeah. It's
2: it's crazy though, it, like you said, it's coming up to ten years, but that was one of my most enjoyable times as well for basketball. I absolutely loved that year.
1: Yeah, that year was great. That was the year when we had Terry and Matt Ralston sign up, and neither of them showed up until, until I think Terry came back for Euro Cup. Then yeah. he was injured. Matt was injured the full season. Yeah, and then Terry was like, "Hey, you guys have been terrible all year. Do you need me to win you a Euro Cup?" And that was, <laughs> that was basically it.
2: Pretty much, mate. But it was good. It was fun. Yeah, Terry us out, mate. Love
1: it. It, They were the days, man. Right. Um, So on that note, we do this with kind of all our guests. But for the benefit of people who haven't known you as long as we've had the misfortune to, do you want to take us back to what your kind of early days in basketball were? Yeah. So
2: I'm going to go a little bit flowery and lovey-dovey here. But um, so... I've always had a sporting mind and a mindset to do with it. And it comes from like anyf- anything I look at, I want to understand how it works. So from a sporting point of view, accidentally, even as a fan, I was always analyzing stuff. So be it football, be it basketball. But with my disability, I'm able to walk around and stuff like that. Apart from, I was never able to, say, run around and play with my friends, but I was able to walk enough around with them that I'd be part of it, but not be able to truly do it. Um, fell in love with basketball off the back of that, because realistically, I was, this is AB basketball at the time. I was big and tall, and I could just basically stand under the hoop because I was taller than everybody else. Pretty much what I do now, apart from I um, <laughs> stood up and... What, stand? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then at my school, they did a taster session um, with a guy called uh, Gordon Perry. He used to go around like the whole country just doing taster sessions, trying to raise awareness and participation in wheelchair basketball. Anyway, so I did a taster session, and it's going to sound really weird, but instantly, as soon as I sat in that wheelchair, I felt free. It's going to sound weird, but my hands could do the stuff that my legs just never could do. I mean, I know I'm fortunate enough that I could walk around anyway, apart from that felt like I was always then in the limbo ground, that I could play the sport but not actually do the sport. So that second I was able to sit sit in a wheelchair, it just felt liberating. Like, all of a sudden, I could move the way I wanted to do to do all the basketball things I wanted to do. So I instantly fell in love from that. Uh that was in Peterborough playing for a team called Peterborough Phoenix. They were a new team that just started started out. And I signed for them halfway through the season. So I played six months there. And then from that, almost instantly, I then went into the GB setup, so to speak. So within six months, I was in the the GB Juniors. Um and that fell into a, a good time in terms of there was change within GB. The senior team where there was a new coach that come in Murray Trezor so he came in and took over from Dave Titmus. and at that point then he then invited all of the juniors and everybody into the, the, the camp for him to see everybody's available and then pretty much from then from 2016 onwards I've been part uh, I've been at every single GB camp there is senior camp and all that stuff uh, never quite making the team for a lot, a lot of years, I was kind of the nearly guy. So from 2006 all the way until 2014, eight years, I was pretty much number 13 or 14 within the selection. So always there, but never going to any of a tournament. And then 2014, finally got my break with GB, um, going to South Korean World Championships. And then, yeah, every, every tournament since.
1: Happy days, man. Yeah. Um that was actually one of the things we wanted to touch on with you is i think if i remember this right your last year doing juniors was my first year that i ever made anything it was 2010 yeah um and we were kind of talking about when we were getting ready to speak to you and we said one of the things that's interesting is i think with how kind of streamlined the whole pathway and the pipeline is now you don't really see that lag anymore where people finish the juniors and have kind of a a however many years wait before going to seniors I mean you only have to look at who's in the team now like James for example Phil Harry those guys who have you know been in the senior squad possibly before even finishing the juniors in some cases so what do you for the next person who comes along and like you say is the nearly guy what do you kind of take away from that four-year span you had of almost making it and yeah not being a junior, but not being a senior. What do you say to those people who find themselves in the same situation? So there's two parts as to why it's happened. And I think actually this is
2: quite prevalent right now because the so my last junior tournament was when I was 20. And obviously we know that juniors can go up to under 23 in terms of the world and then a European 22. Um, but because how dates fell yeah my last uh, junior tournament was at 20 so you find with a lot of athletes actually they can go a little bit later so the lag is by default a little bit less if that makes sense yeah but um in terms of now and I think it's a good thing because obviously unfortunately with everything that's happened within COVID GB have decided not to enter a team for this uh this coming Europeans um that there's going to be some athletes in a similar boat to myself So in actual answer to your question off of it, what do you do? Well, for me, it was a case of that was a good opportunity to kind of find myself. So I do find that, yes, there is now more of a better ethos, not better ethos, a different ethos on fast tracking of athletes. There's more of um, an idea of, right, let's develop for the academy for the future and bring that through rather than previously it was more kind of well this is your guys you've got like these are your best guys i'm gonna stick with my best guys is up it's you needed the young guys coming in to almost be better and quite a bit better than the current squad to get in because well why would you change what you've got was the attitude back then um but for me it was a good time in terms of being able to find myself because of every year being close enough close enough and close enough that it it's within the realms of actually being selected so actually it was there so every time he wasn't it was a setback it was a punch to the face you know it was a gut shot so every single time gave me an opportunity to try to grow off of it and we had a very very strict coach then murray who was um yeah let's just say very very strict
1: <laughs> well, old school i think yeah uh, yeah yeah we'll is, go is for that
2: show. yeah we'll go for that he was very very old school so for me personally and i don't really mind talking about it on here. I found that very, very difficult with every setback. So I started uh, suffering from depression and having um, issues uh, revolving that. Apart from in the end, the knockbacks for me personally were probably better and made me stronger. So I could have maybe gone through quicker and not learn within myself how to deal with the setbacks, how to deal with me as a person. And no, for me, it was the fact that in the end, the time when I finally made the team, it wasn't a case of I needed the coach's validation if that makes sense previously for every selection I was trying to chase the coach's validation for me to be good enough because that was the mark I set on myself in terms of that's if Lee Manning is good enough as an athlete or as a person and every time I wasn't wasn't selected it was me as a person I wasn't good enough but by 2014 after four years of knockbacks it just became in my head in terms of no you know what like if If the coach doesn't select me, that doesn't mean that Lee Manning isn't a good enough person or being or wheelchair basketball. It just means the coach wants to go in a different direction. So I think it allowed for me personally to come back, to come in stronger as an athlete to the point now where I am in my career that not water off a duck's back. I don't mean it like that, apart from I'm confident in who I am as a person. Um, And I think I learned that the hard way through that journey, but it's not a journey I would change.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really, really valuable lesson to learn because a lot of like people looking after their own head like a a bit of advice that a lot of people get is like try not to evaluate yourself based on other people's opinions of you but someone whose job it is to pick a team obviously like uh, us being players going towards a squad that is picked by a certain person who has to think we're good enough like we have to kind of think about that to a certain level but I think you've got it Figured out in terms of like it's it doesn't define you as a person. You've done the work that you're that you've done, and it's kind of that's it's up to people picking the team after that. But I just kind of wanted to very briefly go back and ask if you had any fun Murray stories that you were allowed to tell on a podcast. But I, I don't know.
2: Um, well, you know what? I'll say this on the podcast because he accidentally alluded to it on a Facebook post uh, the other week, so I don't really mind. So. It we used to have to do a so I used I've always been a big uh, like a big guy but I was also ch- uh, like a little bit of a chubby guy grow, growing up and I was gangly and uncoordinated and run like Joe vale McGee and trip myself over <laughs> all the time so like um, there's two uh, we was training in Lily Shore and it's a two mile push up to the the front door of a uh, Lily Shore uh, mm-hmm. and that used to be a part of a, like a conditioning thing we would do say most mornings and. For whatever reason, Terry and Gaz got made to do it again, and so did I. And I think that's just because, hey, Chubby Lee, go do it. All right, cool, go do it. These guys
0: actually did something, (laughs) and you were like, hey, Lee, while they're going.
2: (laughs) And it is absolutely chucking it down, like genuine thunderstorm with trees getting hit by lightning on the fields next to us. Like, I'm not making it up, trees getting hit by lightning. (laughs) And it's at this point here, I've got a really low footplate. And there's speed bumps up the uh, up the road as you're going because it's up a hill as well, and one towards the top of the hill, I'm aquaplaning all the way up a hill, so it's taking me <laughs> four pushes to go, three pushes up the hill and then fall down. But I'm going up uh, up to it and I get to a speed bump and I just stop. Like, I, I'm stuck, st- stopped. and at uh, the second I'm going l- to go to, oh, I'm going to have to undo my strap and get out of here. Murray's in the car behind us, graciously giving us head uh, li- lights from the beams of his car, obviously. Besides, <clears throat> the better idea would just to be pushing me over the speed bump of his car. So he just <laughs> <laughs> hits me with his car, pushing me over the speed bump. <laughs> uh, so, and then the second we got to the other side, like, genuinely i still remember it to this day and it feels like a cartoon section. It doesn't feel like it could be real but all three of us stopped we took our shoes off and it was like emptying a welly of water just coming out of your shoe just <laughs> genuine like poof, water everywhere <laughs> um so that was a fun one um i'll give you i'll give you another one which was so I don't think many people know this about me, but I'm quite a shy uh, person. I'm, I'm comfortable within my own social circles. But anything yeah. external to that, I'm very, very shy and just socially awkward and a bit of a, a weirdo. But I kind of embrace that within my social circles. I'll just be weird and that's my humour. <laughs> uh, but so I'm quiet and I'm 17 year, years old and there's a friendly tournament in Stoke Mandeville uh, for GB against some other teams. And... Murray's like, I need you to talk I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, okay He's like, I need you to w- wake up uh, Yeah, 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 okay So he then um, he goes, no, you're not awake So he gets every single player To slap me around the face To wake me up, you'll get ready for this game So they all slap me Around the, the face And um, just for the point of this story and your podcast In a loving way, it was soft love touches <laughs> um, And then Pete, Pete goes to do it And Pete does it even even softer he was caressing my face and yeah. my was like no no that's not good enough um I need it to be a slap harder uh, I'm sorry if you get in trouble for this no. <laughs> a slap, a slap harder so yeah he, he has to go for it and anyway so I then sub onto the the court and I grab a rebound and he instantly then tools a timeout for the next dead ball and I'm like oh god and he goes no that's I'm not happily every time you catch the ball I want you to put your hands straight up in the air with the ball in your hand and shout, ball. Oh, okay. So then to the point then off of it, like if somebody passed me the ball in transition, I'd have to bounce stop, put my arm straight up in the air and shout, ball. <laughs> um, it become a running joke with everybody else on the floor. And like Johnny Pollock's on the floor and he's a bit of a joke artist anyway. So he's just randomly chucking me the ball and I've got to let <laughs> stop mid court, put hands up in the air, ball and like the other team, both sets of teams, the refs, everybody just laughing at me. And I'm like, Oh, well, this is a fun experience as a 17 year old. And then I get, he's subbed off and goes, Good job, Lee. I'm proud of you. Puts me onto the end one. I've got to do wall taps for the next bloody 15 minutes.
0: Oh, man. So,
2: yeah, he was he was a tough love character, but yeah, no, it, it worked in the end, I
0: suppose. My favorite thing about that is him being like, Lee, I need this exact thing from you. I'm being very demanding. This is <laughs> what of international basketball players meanwhile johnny pollock's just like throwing you the ball in the backcourt to do something funny in the middle of an international game yeah yeah yeah. Uh,
1: that's the world we were in (laughs) it's fun it's funny man everyone who's around that kind of time has like their own set or their own couple of murray stories at least and you wonder what would happen if you I, there's a book to be written, isn't there? Just bouncing around and getting those stories bit by bit. But you, yeah. I feel like you'd never get to the end of it because everyone would be like, Oh, there was this one more time that they did such and such to what's his name. Go and ask that person. You j- you'd like travel around the world trying to fill that. Yeah. But
2: up. you'd get stuck then. Even if you got to the end of the book, you'd then go, I'm not sure it'd be allowed to be published.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you'd be Trying to get it picked up and you'd be like, why does no one want this? <laughs> yeah. It's, wow. um, it's weird. Some of the stuff you hear from kind of those days sounds like it was all just in his mind, like some kind of crazy lab experiment. To see what yeah, boundaries he could push. I've got, to, I've got to give him a lot of credit as well. So
2: it was weird. So he would push you as hard as he could, but he cared about his athletes. Like oh, yeah. it'd be one of the ones. If anybody else said anything about his athletes, like he would defend you to high heaven. Like, no, nah, you don't say anything like that to to my guys. But for him, he was like, no, it's my guys. I'm going to treat you hard because he has a goal in his mind. So his goal in mind for me was always that, Lee, I want you to be that big dominant character that I know you can be. And it just, that wasn't necessarily my personality. Instead, I was just big and awkward. So he was just trying in his way, get that out of me. And I do think he truly cared about it, about his athletes. It it was just, he had a goal in mind and a single way of getting there. But no, I actually... Owe him a lot personally. Even though, if I went through hard times or anything like that, I truly uh, I feel very grateful for my experience with him. Even if at that time it just meant a hell of a lot of pushing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think um, me and James have spoken about this in kind of a different context before, but I think in a way, players or kind of observers of what's going on get way too caught up in kind of a lot of the gratitude or appreciation going to the coach at the end of the process where you look at like NBA teams for example always go from like a rebuild to wanting to hire a coach who is then supposedly going to take them to the championship and it's like well no it doesn't you know if you join the army you don't get a four-star general into you know who's a master tactician to just get the guys up to a level of competency and I think in a way what Murray did is kind of Almost seen as the dark days because it came before you know Hodge taking over and then the champion, the world championship and stuff. But in reality, everything that builds up to that point is just as necessary to lay the foundations for Hajj to come in and 100%. take over. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I think um, yeah, a lot of the guys who were around in that period kind of, like you say, had tough times with it at the time. But everyone kind of appreciates what was born out of it to some extent
2: yeah definitely like you said it's about paving the foundations for the for the future and i think too even within that like yes you move on and we've done the team's changed a lot since then and dynamic and things like that but a lot of it is trying to remember the core values which have got you on that path um and taking that forward so no it definitely laid a, a foundation even if that was a foundation to change and improve or whatever like that it's still a starting point
1: yeah definitely yeah Cool. Shall we jump to Copa del Rey? Let's get this, seeing as it's coming up. So, Lee, I don't know if you know, there is a thing in the Spanish league called Copa del Rey, which I believe is Spanish for Copper of the King. Um, yeah. um It is.
0: Um, Spanish for Wales vagina. Um. <laughs> Um, I think that's a medical term, so I don't need to put that out. But, well, it's a, it's a veterinary term. So. <laughs> Marine biologist, I don't know. Um, it's also wait, an Anchorman wait. joke. So yeah. We're deep,
1: deep in the weeds here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Capital Ray is coming up this weekend. I guess this podcast will be out either today or tomorrow, which means we'll be only a couple of days out from it happening at the very latest. Um, you guys... You've obviously had kind of the full season, go ahead, you've had the Champions Cup and similar to everyone else in Spain, this is your kind of last hurrah because there's no playoffs this year. So, yeah, I guess in general questions, what's Amiab's thought process going into what's this year's big dance, I guess? Um,
2: So very much is the same as it was at the start of the season. Like we put a strong team together together. And our goal was always to to win what was ever in front of us. So be it win the league, be it win the EuroLeague or win Copa del Rey. Uh, in reality, obviously, then things haven't happened. Uh, apart from, yeah, no, we've got a very, very strong co- um, team, should I say. And now I'm going in it to try to win. That doesn't mean I'm being arrogant enough to say that we are going to win. Uh, I'm not no idea to the fact that it's going to be extremely, extremely difficult. Uh, apart from I'm going there with the aspiration to win uh, and see where that takes us, if that if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Sure. So who do you guys have first again? Remind me, is it Viggo?
2: Have you not done your research before this. Come on, man. We're, check,
1: we're checking you've done your research. We've already covered this on a previous podcast. So ah, our okay, research. okay, okay.
2: Yeah, nice. yeah, we've got Vigo. <laughs>
0: nice save. See, I said Vigo very slowly, very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys got Vigo, and then the other side of your draw is Medeva Illunion. Yes. Don't worry so- about me. <laughs> so. See you in the final. <laughs> oh, yeah. See you there. So, yeah, I think. <laughs> Easy. They've lost loads of games this year, so they like <laughs> clear blueprint
1: on how to stop Bilbao. Yeah. Um, we we've talked about this with kind of various guests we've had on, but um, there's just kind of, the standard of the Spanish league now is such that the top at least six teams, I would say, and push it to the other ones on a good day, maybe. There's kind of the capability of everyone beating everyone. It's not like the example I always give is the old days of the. BWB league where it's like team at the top has zero losses, team at the bottom has zero wins, every team in between increments by two wins because they just beat the team below them. Um it doesn't really work like that in Spain, but I think based on what we talked about when we last covered this there's an argument that you guys should feel relatively confident going into play Vigo and it's a real kind of the quality of the semi-final between yourselves and either Madiba or Lunion is going to be a hell of a game to even get into the final, never mind, <laughs> you know, think, <laughs> think about winning the whole thing.
2: Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm just going to talk about, like you said, the, the quality within Spain. And I think for me, the difference what has been this year is that I feel like previously there was always a model set that obviously a Lunion, are champions. Um, very very good squad Gen- uh, generally played with three or four big and that was their that was their like go-to like four big bang let's do it um and I think other teams tried to say match that style to try and beat it uh, and it just it didn't work because almost they had the best pieces if you know what I mean so he's just doing a poor man's uh impersonation of it and that's not to disrespect to any teams in the past I don't mean it like that uh, but I think the great thing what I've seen this year is that we've got Five or six very good teams, like you said, but all with their own identity, all with different ways of playing. Like, so Alunia now, obviously, they've got um, a guard orientation within their lineups with Jake and Greg there now. You've got Bill Bilbao, who are big, similar to big to so what I just said about the four biggest before, but play in a different style. Like, they're more of a transitional-based team where they will do a double cross in front of Asier coming up the court, and nearly most of it comes off of the, the back of that. So it would be John to... Um, and John Yasso off the crosses off of it with Geordie as a shooter on the outside, or so on
1: and so on. They also um, have the advantage of um, the three-second rule doesn't apply to them, so that's pretty cool. In terms yeah, of but I'm,
2: tra- I, I'm, I'm trying to be polite here. Apart from <laughs> if you want me to chuck it out there, yeah, fine. You know what? That sod it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go ham on it. Yeah, they're transitional. They're doing three or four picks inside the key. There's no. There's no three seconds. No, no. I'm joking. Floor, yeah, foot on the floor. All of this jazz, standing, <laughs> up, whatever. <laughs> yeah, everyone Listen, does it.
0: Everyone <laughs> does all of it. Is my thing about yeah, anyone is, complaining about yeah. wheelchair basketball stuff. Yeah, everyone um, does everything.
2: And the one thing on Bill Bar before going to the other teams, actually, if I'm completely honest with you, I really respect the journey that they've taken as a team. They've stayed true to their identity of it's ACS team. We're going to run it that sort of way for as long as I've been in Spain, which is like six, seven seasons now. And they've just checked true to it and it's, it's worked. So... I've got a lot of respect and time for what they've done to do, to do that. Having said that, Sodom, I hate him, let's beat him.
1: Oh, wh- <laughs> when you said how much you respected them, I was about to break a rumour of Lee Manning to Bilbao. <laughs> I'll, uh, uh, I- <laughs> I'll cool off on that. <laughs> that no,
0: He's pretty well set up where he is.
1: Yeah, yeah. and then, But then, Lisa, like like I said,
2: sorry, I didn't quite finish, like like Grand Canary as well, your your boys team, James, Like you're one of the most complete team orientated teams that i've seen in a long long time like you've got pieces to do off of all counters it's not a case of like a lot of teams run where well this is my main option and if that's stopped i'll go to option b if that's stopped i'll go to option c but yours is right you've got option a b and c fluid together at all times so you're playing a more natural style basketball than what is normal within wheelchair basketball if you know what I mean so now you've I think all the top teams have got their own identities and I think that makes for great and interesting matchups like I know Bill Bilbao have won, won it all and fair play to them in terms of the league but I don't think that necessarily means that they're going to go into this tournament and win it e- easily because it's a knockout as we know so you never know what can happen within that but all of it is a game of stylistic matchups which I think is great to watch as well
1: Yeah, definitely. I think to your point about what can happen in a knockout, there was a year relatively recently where you guys went in as the top seed and you got knocked out by Vigo in the first game. Is that right?
2: You mean when I missed the game
0: winner at the end? Yeah, I goodness. never, Cheers, I man. never, I never actually Cheers. watched
1: the game, so I didn't know that happened. Cheers, but for I, that, buddy.
0: Thank you. It. He's bringing
1: it up, <laughs> and, and you accused us of not having done our research. Come on, man.
2: <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's obviously not to dig at you, but that's just like the. That's the year we won the league as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember. I think we spoke to Gaz about that on the previous incarnation of the podcast. Don't go and listen to that because it doesn't count towards our listens. <laughs> um but yeah, it's Capital raise obviously coming up. What if you were to be adventurous enough to make a call for let's not say winner, let's say what do you think the final will be? What are you calling? Right. So
0: yeah, let us let's, let's seed it out. Okay, so first game, us against Bilbao. Okay. You, you can be honest. Uh um, I if
2: no no no, I think I think you guys have an opportunity to win. Apart from, it's down to you, lot to do. It so, but my call is Bill Bow. Okay.
0: Yes. Um, next one is Malaga, and by the, way,
1: the big one. I, I um,
0: can't believe they don't see the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> have
2: you Have you heard any uh, rumor style to do with Vivalid or anything?
0: No. Oh. Um, oh exclusive. Oh, 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 yeah, maybe exclusive. No, I've uh, I. If, be, be, I, if if this isn't something you want to say you don't have to say it by the way but if it's
2: um, if, no if no it's no legal. sorry no i've made it sound way worse than it is i've made it sound way way worse than it is yeah. i i heard that there's a possibility that a couple of the players might have uh, tested positive for covid oh, oh okay so if, off for of that basis i'm going to go to malaga anyway but <laughs> That you know what so you know what the world of basketball is like and everything like this. This could all be rumor meal, so it could be I could be chatting out my me, me bum bum right now. <laughs> yeah, you, so, you could. So um, let's just say that both teams full hit, uh, full fit and healthy. I will go with. I'm going to back my uh, the, the English boys. I'm going to go with uh, Malaga.
0: I was going to say I might go Malaga anyway. Yeah, like, yeah.
1: Okay. So in that case, it's you guys against Vigo. I assume you're gonna um pick yourselves unless you've got another missed layup in you.
2: Yeah, well I'm sure there's a couple of them, but normally now I just try to grab the <laughs> rebound and put it back in.
1: Yeah, as long as it's not <laughs> at the end of the game. Yeah, like, yeah. Like
2: I, give
0: yeah, enough yeah, you, time, but it's like, fine. Yeah, if you miss by two and you've missed a layup in the first quarter, you didn't lose the game. <laughs> That's- yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll go. For, I'll
2: go for us. Just, uh, just. I'll, I'll try and make it PC. Just because we've got more English guys than uh, than them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Keeping up appearances. Yeah. <laughs> and Illunion, Madiba, big one.
1: Illunion uh, Yeah. Cool. Agreed. Um. Yeah. They played a couple of times recently, and it was. I think we spoke about this previously, James. But they. It was like a twenty-something point win for Illunion and then a tight, tight win for Madiba. So. I'm going to play they've got the, the players
2: to do it. Yeah, they've got the players okay. to do it, obviously. But yeah, yeah. no, I've just i i, I can't knock back a team that have won it for so many times in the past. Yeah, that's a yeah, very like
0: it's still Terry doesn't start for a Alunian, but it's still Terry's tournament in my mind. So I'm yeah. like nine years done, like,
2: in a row they've won it or something like that.
0: Ten. Ten in a row. There you go, ten. Sorry, by Water.
2: Yeah. Okay, but, so yeah.
0: like I could see Madiba doing it as well. Like obviously their whole thing is like just overwhelm you with pressure defensively and keep the score low and try and get steals and run away for freebie layups and keep the score taken over that way. So it could happen, but
1: I don't know. Uh, I think regardless of the outcome of that, if, for example, Illunion do come through into the next round, Madiba's no fun to have opened up against. So, I mean, neither team's any fun to have played in the first round. So you going into that semifinal game might have some kind of fresh legs advantage i guess well especially as it's two games on one day
2: as well yeah
0: mm-hmm. oh yeah
2: so that could play into it um but yeah yeah so i'll i'll, I'll finish off the, the the rest of the tower i think I'm gonna, so i'm gonna obviously back us against the uh, mm-hmm. uh just because i'm just got i can't not say i want to win that one obviously <laughs> um and then off the back of it then i would say bilbao against um Malaga so yeah us, us Bilbao final is what I'd be hoping for and then hoping for a win off the back of that as well but I do think um, us against Alunian or Medeba who way but I think Alunian Mal- should be a hell of a uh, hell, hell of a battle
1: yeah, yeah. For sure.
0: and then the good thing is you guys get into the final against Bilbao and it's like the whole world is with you by the <laughs> books Of where people kind of put their allegiances when they're watching Bilbao yeah, we, we, for some reason.
1: We spoke about this uh, I think when we um, talk through everything that happened at Champions Cup possibly or maybe the episode after that but um, Bilbao kind of have the it's weird how you talk about Illunion being like celebrated as the 10-time winners of this tournament and yet Bilbao seem to have this villain status despite the fact this is the first year they've ever <laughs> yeah. really risen to the top it's strange that they've hung around in the top four forever and because it's usually the teams the teams who finish first year after year become like despised by everybody else don't they? Well, I think everybody wants alunion
2: to lose by by virtue of what you've just said. It's a case of, well, yeah. we want something new to happen. So I think a lot of the times people root against alunion in, in terms of that aspect. But yeah, Bilbao, I think because Bilbao, I'm going to say play ugly, but I don't mean like that. I mean, they just yeah. play very, very strong and, and play in that sort of way that it doesn't endear necessarily to a neutral yeah. fan. Like you're always going to, because they play more physical, I think we're just as a species, we're always sort of like, oh, ah, yeah, you let's go for the underdog in that because yeah. they try to be more physical than any other team to play
1: against. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that's it for sure. I maintain that people don't believe in Bilbao because Asier doesn't look like he should be as good as he is. And people can't, <laughs> people can't get past that, regardless of how many times he's proved it to be the case. He
2: is a hell of a player. Uh, like like you said, uh, looks can be deceiving and whatnot. But now he's a hell of a player. And basketball IQ, under underappreciated, I think.
1: Oh, he's completely. With- his like, wheelchair game, Jokic, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You you don't believe it. then <laughs> You're like, oh no, it is happening, don't worry. Yeah,
0: finds his way to where he wants to be, wait until you kind of put yourself in a compromising position, and then he's like, I got gotcha, you, like yeah. for 40 minutes. Like our whole, like we've obviously been talking a lot about how we're playing them, and like everyone who game plans for them is just like if Asier gets to this spot, it's, it's over because Dep- if we do this, he does this and we do this, he does that. Like he's just got like, and everyone watching him, anyone who's played basketball at a high enough level could probably write like a little bullet point list of what he does. Well, but yeah. if you can't, like, it doesn't matter if you can't stop it.
1: Yeah. Uh- I think every team's game plan, this is going back to when we played them at Eurocup, but everyone's like, hey, if we can just get one of our quick guys onto his foot plate, we should be fine. It's like, oh no, that doesn't work. Yeah, he, but I feel he's like se- he's seen that before, apparently. Yeah. But I feel like actually that's one of the things which is
2: he uses that to his advantage because that then just gives him an extra man up pos- pos- yeah. position because two people of his bigs, because he's got bigs around him, will always pick on him or yeah. pick for him. So that I actually find that whenever you try to put pressure on him, it actually opens the floor up to him for more. So I've always found, although we've, I've not necessarily within my team been able to, to to do it, it's actually the guys just in front of him. Yeah. yeah. If you if you can stop the guys in front of him and wait for that so then if say for example if john because he trails them so well he trails from the middle of the court as well which means if they cut they cut left or right for either elbows or to the baselines he can either follow for curl if you don't stop that person in front or just scissor and go the other way so everything he does is like a scissor transition but i've always found that it'd be an interesting scenario if you could stop the guy in front of him and then force them to do a pick for that because Asier isn't going to pick in that scenario because he's got the ball. So what would happen in that situation? I've always wondered what would happen in that, but I've not seen a team be able to do it again to their credit because they don't allow it to happen.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think they've got like is coming close to the thing that you see NBA teams try to do with superstars where they're like, what happens if we let this guy have 70, but we don't let anyone else do anything like Uh, like like, you see people kind of get into thinking about that about Asier, where it's like he's such a good facilitator and all of his all of his pieces are massive like that's the thing like he's got the rest of his team are just like superstar role players in terms of like hey we've got this guy who's a two-pointer and he picks and just rolls to the basket and that's all he does for us but he's max height like he's got they've got a load of those around him so anything as i say anytime you compromise yourself it's over which you have to do to play basketball like like offense is just like five on five okay we have to stop this guy oh five on four okay what do we do from here like and he's just unbelievable at that all the time
1: yeah cool um so we've hit kind of the very immediate future we tend to ask people this um lee obviously we've had tom and richard on who tom has kind of moved away from where he had his previous season um Richard is obviously set up in Grand Canaria for life, but I think you might fall into the latter category a bit more. But what's kind of in your view? What's your future moves? What's the future for Amiab if you're sticking around?
2: Um, so my biggest thing in terms of basketball, where I'm at now, is obviously I always want to be in a position to try to compete and win. That 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 that's never changed, but i got a wife and two kiddies. I've got two kids, which are six and five. um, And what we do in terms of a sport, realistically, in some sense, it's a selfish, like it's me pursuing my dream of what I want to do. And whilst I'm completely comfortable with that, because equally, obviously it's providing a living for my family and a financial part of it that, that way. But I don't ever want it to be to the point where it's solely about me. So I don't really look I don't want to move any other teams regardless of the basketball uh, situation because I don't want to be in a situation where I'm uprooting a family with their connections, with their friends in school and everything like that for a pursuit of my own, my own ability, my own dream. So in an ideal world, I mean you never know because end they the day also off the back of that like you finances are finances at some point maybe I just still need the, the cash to provide for that family at that point then that's a decision well money is better than I'm not eating so changing score ain't <laughs> yeah, a problem sure. <laughs> but yeah I don't plan all things being good with Amiab and nothing going wrong there I don't plan on trying to change team and I think that to the point where if I was in a situation change team be it say Amiab has no money be it that blah 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 a million different things could happen in the theoretical world that yeah. that was the case I do wonder if that point then whether or not that'd be a decision with myself that actually that's my time to go back to the UK and start my life back there because uh my thing is I think once I'm done basketball i back in the UK it, it, because and I've said this to other people and maybe this is a good message for any listeners in terms from parenthood or the struggles of that with it within that in basketball it's my kids are completely fine whilst being abroad and they have no problems. Like kids are way stronger than we ever, ever realized. But the bit I feel guilty on is the fact that they don't get to see their grandparents as much as they would want to. And it's not because, it's not because like the kids are suffering from that. The kids know no different. They're fine. But for me, it's that my grandparents, my family, Sally's family or anything like that are just fundamentally good people. And I want them to know my kids to know that about them and like have them in life. So I think ultimately in the future, my my future is in the uk i'd like to put it there i mean you don't know what's going to happen financially blah blah blah. if i need to yeah. but yeah. my idea is in my head i go back to the, the uk so at the point then when i'm then move say from Amia. well i'm 31 now i've got four more years of my contract here so that's 35, 35 at that point then so then it's like well maybe i'm just chasing two more years three more years at that point then I don't think it's worth the the short change then go back so I think if that was the case maybe that's the case where I stop earlier than my ability would warrant if that makes sense but you don't know I mean there's so many things going on now in terms of the UK league as well in terms of the university elements whether or not that's going to turn into the male option in terms of academy um University scholarships and all that stuff. So, you never know. Things have changed so much in the last ten years that I've known you boys. Let alone like what's going to happen in the next year, two years, five years, ten years.
1: For sure. And you've still got a house back here, right?
2: Yeah. So Sorry. I've got. Um, I'm fortunate so, yeah. enough that I've got a house in the UK. So in my head, as long as I can get myself into a fi- financial position. Where i could hopefully have a house with a mortgage paid off by the time i come back to the uk like i consider that that's almost a bigger head start than a person who had a normal job the whole time in the uk because i've always had yeah yeah, i've always struggled with the idea in my head in terms of well this is the sport is this is what i'm doing i'm chasing my dream for a a select amount of time be it 10 years 15 years 20 years whatever the hell it is But from that point once that's done whilst it's nice to have on a cv I've still got to start another career at the end of the, uh, afterwards. Yeah. So it's a case of can I put myself in a financial position where I'm okay to start that new career at an older age and be comfortable with that? And obviously the biggest worry on most people's heads is paying for the roof above it. So if I'm in a situation where I've made that as little a stress as possible, I've obviously put myself in a better position than they're not
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Well, yeah like you say yeah. if you eventually make it back here somewhere between 35 and 40 and you've got the mortgage paid off you'll probably be one of the only people in the country who's not like a million <laughs> who's got up. Yeah. because i tell you i'll be 35 in nine years from now and if i've got my mortgage paid off in nine years it's because i struck oil or something <laughs>
2: and i know and the thing is i don't want to make that i don't want it to come across as if in terms of a shed load of money for that to happen it's not it's just uh I've tried to be the whole the whole of my career conscious of what the future looks like and the end goal is in there so tried to act accordingly invest accordingly and financial advice and that sort of thing and luckily of the fact is also I when we was able to buy a house then we immediately rented it out because we then went abroad well obviously that's given me the income on it for the last 10 years of being abroad so like that's been overpaying on the mortgages that way. So it's not a case of, oh, I'm a millionaire. I've owned a shed load of money through basketball. I've just tried to consciously have the thought in my head of there is a future. I have to prepare for that future.
0: I think that's something that this generation of international basketball players at least have really got their heads screwed on about compared to guys 10 years, 10 years, 20 years ago. Obviously, there's more money in the sport than there was at any point in the past. But like, just coming into the sport kind of like walking through the front door knowing that you're gonna to have to find the exit at some point and like needing to know where you're gonna go and what you're gonna do is like so important and I'm 26 and it's already something that I've been like oh god because like you, you you need to like at the end of the day as much as you like you might make or as much as you're well looked after when you're playing the month after your contract ends You've bills to pay. Like you'll,
2: you'll yeah. be yeah.
1: back. You'll be back in my spare room at that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry. is that an invite for me? Me
2: me Where? the wife and kiddies coming.
1: You are not like Tom Smith stayed here the other day when he was up training at EIS. And he was like, I can only just fit on the bed end to end. So there is no chance now you're staying here. Oh wow. Your feet oh, are okay. gonna be like kicking through the wall <laughs> into the other room. <laughs> right. Um let's see we've got about 10 minutes left to kill on this um lee are you up yeah, to date course. on nba stuff enough that we can cover that for 10 minutes you 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 can i mean i know
2: i know the ruffins uh the of it, but i haven't watched a single game this season for the first time in what? probably 12 years i know i know i just uh, for whatever reason this season i just couldn't get myself into but, it. I know all the results. I see all about the, like, the clips and everything, but I just but yeah, no, look, go shoot it, shoot so, it
0: Although we could that could be a great way to pivot into talking about your beginnings of caring about the NBA. When did you start? When did you I start in the NBA?
2: I was obsessed with it back when I was say uh 13, 14, 15, and even up until very, very recently, it's only in the last couple of years that um I stopped watching it. And that's because I kind of found a, bit, a different balance of the terms of my life. So mine was put before, it was basketball, 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 even watching basketball, watching video game, uh watching wheelchair basketball, NBA and all that stuff. But then off the back of it, I realized you know what that I've got other things I'm interested in and I just started doing them as well to try and find a better balance so you you mentioned it on here a little bit like I play a lot of uh, video games because I just enjoy it like I enjoy I'm a big geek uh, I love technology uh, I love finding out how things work in terms of like for me that's what a computer is like. For everything a computer to do is trying to do what your brain would. And we've uh, made code for the fact that your, uh, your a computer is going to do what your brain could do a lot, lot quicker in its most rudimentary form. Um, and so I love, but then I love computers. I love everything tech. So watching videos nonstop about the latest tech that's come out, so on and so on, playing video games. Uh, and then started my reason this year, actually, and it's a weird one, why I stopped watching MBS so much. It's because I added another- Oh. oh wait, yeah. No. Uh, I, I was gonna be that.
0: horrible and be like, it was it because of the China thing? No. No,
2: no. Do you know what actually the thing with the kid the kids is whilst it's great, um, they're in school from nine till five. And then I go to training at four thirty, and then when I come home, I'm putting them to bed. So that time of it i don't get as much as i would like but that's the, the world we live in like anybody could have a normal yeah. job and you just don't see your kids as much as you would like yeah. but yeah the real reason not because i'm a bad dad why i haven't watched <laughs> uh, much NBA this year is because i started getting into car restoration stuff and it was because what, what oh, yeah yeah car re- so cool. so and and it's not to do it myself like i don't i don't know much about mechanics or anything like that but uh, i love the fact of how simple an old school petrol engine is and stuff like that so i'll be watching loads of say old old cars getting restored and feel like they're just thinking that's cool because my brain like i said in terms of working out how things uh like how they work it was great it was almost like one plus one plus one plus one equals dot 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 to make the engine work so yeah i stopped watching NBA to watch bloody rust buckets get uh, restored
1: <laughs> man you and tom smith could have a serious conversation
2: Yeah, but next time you talk to him, ask him about how you can uh, fix a quad because he tried doing his mate and he failed and I I, I like taking uh, the mic out.
1: (laughs) I think we were early in the pandemic when everyone was doing Zoom quizzes and stuff. Tom pulled out a Zoom quiz because he was like, sorry, me and my mate are building this quad bike from scratch. And I was like, hey excuses are getting thin on the ground because we're like six months into having nothing to but do you know it. he
2: failed right you know he I, failed. Did,
1: I didn't know that i had not caught up with him about it since but yeah it looked um say you built it from scratch he sent us a picture and it looked kind of like the outline of a quad bike so I was like well that's something <laughs> than i can get so I, i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna criticize anything on this front
0: yeah. lee do you think the way you described how your brain works, liking to know how things work. Do you think that feeds into anything about how you play basketball? Oh,
2: 100%. Apart,
0: uh, from, apart from tinkering with your chair. Now, do you know what? Those, I've, 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 I've,
2: but I've stopped that a little bit because it, the tinkering thing side of it was just because I wanted to know how the chair uh, runs. And I've got to feel everything to do with the chair because I know what the chair is then going to do. So I yeah. tinkered with the chairs like mad, but now I'm at the point where I, I don't need to tinker as much because I know I can feel I can feel if there's a slight millimeter off in my chair from my casters or the pressure yeah. of the tires, just because I get, I know the feeling like I'm not naturally athletic. So I've got to search for every like advantage I can. And my chair is my legs at that point, you know, so I've got to yeah. know how the hell they work. Um, but yes, in terms of basketball, 100%, I look at things backwards from back to front to most people. Like most people will go like, they will go forward from it so we need to score so dot 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 so will lead to the basket uh, i'm the back i come from everything from the the answer why and how it's happened so like mm. even the simple one in terms of say basketball i try uh defense sorry i try to put my like my gold standard what i would like to be remembered for. so blah 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 was defense so defense is me offense comes after the back of that and try to beat one-on-one blah 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 blah, blah which is what i've tried to develop into But bit in my foundation was defense i i look at defense different to most people in terms of most people look at like getting a stop well i think that's like moronic as harsh as it sounds because that's stupid because there's what 60 possessions in the game give or take depending on how the games are going well a certain amount of them are obviously going to be going in so you're going to fail 60 percent of the time because there's going to be a basket at the end So why would I look at something from that way of it? So the way I look at most defenses is from most situations, if you can get the shot clock as low as possible, that will result in a lower percentage shot. So if I can then make the percentages in my favor off the back of that. So every single time they're taking a lower percentage shot or the shot I would like, that's how I'm going to generate my defense off it. So like I'll do defense in ways when I'm closing out with some people. So if I close out on, on a guard or somebody like that, they'll think our lead match is going out there to try and block the guy. I've got no intention of going out there to block the guy. Mine is actually, can I block an angle to make him do what I want him to do? So if I can make him put, if I can block an angle so I know that he's passing the ball to a point who's not necessarily a good shooter i'm going to force that to happen yeah. if i if i want him to actually shoot it as a contested shot and he's i'm going to deny all outlet passes from the back of him yeah. eventually they might result in a block obviously but i'm trying to do what i want them to do so a lot of the time even off of i play a lot of trying zonal defense so where i'll be the cover off the back of it is the fact that then I'm then trying to force one more off a little bit so wheelchair basketball is done off the fact of generally pick and rolls pick and rolls pick and rolls. well yeah. sorry slice shoot pick and roll if you stop the slice then you go to a shooter from the outside if you stop that that means you pick and roll so it's like a chain of re- uh, chain of events so it inevitably always comes back to the pick and roll well the pick and roll off of that is to try to make in that scenario that you've got an advantage to attack to defense so maybe it's a two on one because one guy's picked out or maybe it's a three on two normally a three on two because uh, the weak side generally isn't involved in that moment so then off the back of it if I'm playing a zonal cover defense I'm playing volume of space so I look at everything as a triangle from the basket so I want to try to make the volume of space as slow as uh, small as possible so I'll position my chair because if I give space to that you can obviously pass around me to one of the guys open to take a layup like that's just an obvious. So in my head, in terms of looking at that functionally backwards, I look at is everything from the two guys on an attack. So it's a two on one in that scenario for pick and roll. I'm the one defender. Yeah. Well, the that forms a triangle to the basket. So the two, two attackers and the basket. The basket is a point of the triangle. So I want to do everything I can to make that volume of space smaller. If I can make that volume of space smaller by making them guys with the position of my wheelchair come into me now means i have the best opportunity to try and defend both guys so yeah. I, I i will purposely for example head onto one guy with my back to him so i knowing that the because we're we're kind of stupid in terms of wheelchair basketball we never just pull up and sh- shoot for the shot we will always roll and try and get all as close to the basket as we can off of any pick and roll but i play that to my advantage then i know if i can come off the ball a little bit with my back to the guy behind that means then the guy with the ball is going to come roll a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And the point to do that, my point of attack. Then that's when I'm going to go to the guy. So yeah. I, short answer done long. Um, yes. I think backwards in terms of everything, I try to break things down and think of things from a different point of view. And like the biggest one of a big B in the bonnet here, and I'm sorry for just rambling in like mad right now.
0: No, we love it. Um,
2: my biggest B in the bonnet is, uh, I had a conversation with Terry not longer back. And you know how the conversation is kind of what you were saying about the NBA to, to, to Asia and all that sort of stuff. You know, when they're that good, I go, right, well, do we want him to be a scorer or do we want him to be an assist? So let's take away his points and then he can be assist or let's take away his assist and let him be in points. And that's something we say quite a lot of in basketball when you see these star players. Yeah. I hate it. I hate yeah. it so much because that's that's just not how you should do it. Like It's almost not a real thing it's missing a step because for me in terms of anything it's not that yes let's take away his points to force him to a pass that's great cool fine but where are you forcing that pass for me the biggest key message off of anything is in that scenario should be let's force the ball into dot 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 person's hands because no two points are equal like if you think of turkey of years by before with oscar and everything like that his two points killed you because you were trying to stop him, stop, stop him, stop him, stop him, stop him. If that went to say a different player who just so happened to score the two points, that doesn't mean that he's now on fire. So you have to change your defense. Yeah. If a star player catches fire and shoots, you have to change your defense. So for me, it was I hate that notion of it. It's not, it's not okay, so let's take away his passes, let's take away his scoring. It's, no, let's dictate for him to do what the hell what we want him to do. So pass yeah. it to where the hell we want him to pass it. Yeah. Uh, so that sort of things.
1: Yeah, nice. I, I agree with you there. I think the the make him a scorer thing is way too black and white. It's it's more of a that's like he can either score or he can pass. And it's like in reality, it's a spectrum of possible results off yeah. the back of those two things, and it's stupid to think that yeah, it's it, windows it, that are
0: open or closed yeah. at various different points and just changing shapes yeah, and sizes but, all the time.
1: I think your um your breakdown of your defense was interesting because I think most people who prior to listening to this most people who've watched you play will be like oh that guy's defensive scheme is hey i'm massive it'll be fine (laughs) yeah pretty much i I, (laughs) just
2: a big dumb giant
1: yeah well well that i think if we boil what you said down to the core your core is yeah i can get away with defending two people but you laid it out in a very um like obviously well thought out way so maybe people will give you the benefit of the doubt now the the ultimate would be if any refs listen to this and they're like, oh, this guy does know what he's doing. We'll stop calling him for a foul every time. He just (laughs) swipes at anybody with a reach.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, contrary to that, if the the refs also want to be nice and give me a foul when I'm shooting, that'd be delightful. (laughs) Oh, shots. That'd be great.
0: Okay, shots fired. I'm going to like, email this to the iwbf referee no, no i get
2: on well, well with the refs i i, I moan at them and bark at them a lot but i'll be honest i have so many conversations with the refs after the games i think everybody thinks i'm a real hothead which i am but like in terms of it, i'm a smart hothead like i might talk very very loud but generally it's with a well conveyed point so i'm i'm like one of them smart guys you know when i can i can call you an idiot without saying you're idiots so you can't actually tell me off for calling you an idiot
1: <laughs> um yeah, you've obviously matured a lot then. Because one of my memories from playing against you way back in my Padova year is a guy elbowing you in the back of the head as you shot a layup, and you put it this way, you weren't quite as cool-headed in those days as you might have been now. But it no. did. Uh, it, it was it all a journey. Sounded for me. very painful.
2: Yeah, it was. It's all a part of a journey, and I think that's one thing where I am now in terms of. I've had to generally every team I've been on has been one big against a hell of a lot of other bigs. Yeah. So every now and then I kind of felt within myself, I had to flex my muscles to, to not get bullied on it, if that makes any yeah. sense. Sure. So to earn the respect of people. And now I think it's at the point, like you said, back then, like when the elbow is one of them ones where them, I'm telling you, you can't do that to me yeah. and you won't do that again. So to speak, it was all trying to set the the seed of foundation for the future, which it is now in terms of like people, no oh crap that's lee manning we can't do that so to speak so it was kind of setting the foundation for later but yeah, yeah it's uh it's all strategical losing of my mind i promise you
0: sure uh mark do we have time to ask questions or are you having to get to work
1: uh yeah we'll go rattle through a couple of quick ones i think that's so hey, no,
0: no, cool man hey I, I forgot that i have questions okay so <laughs> We're going to speed round the uh, listeners' questions. Um, Favourite team to play against?
2: Um, in Spain, Alunion because the rival we've had over the f- last load of years. Um, and then Europe, I love playing against um, the old up uh, when Jake and Matt was there. Um, and then internationally, USA.
0: Cool. Uh, question, all-star five of teammates um, previous. Remember, I told you to prep this.
2: Uh, you told me this question to know this answer? <laughs> okay.
0: That's a uh, lie. Yeah, uh, I can go back. It's all right. It's all right. We can, we can ask you about this and we can post it on the social media. It's so <laughs> time to think about this. Um, Harry Fig asked, who's your biggest fan? That's the only question that I'm going to put a name on. <laughs> oh,
2: okay. Uh, who's my biggest fan? Um, would it be him by any chance?
0: It might be.
2: Self-proclaimed biggest fan, yeah.
0: No <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, next question. It. Has already been dealt with. When did you start playing? Uh, do you like Japanese food and can you eat with chopsticks? Yes and yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you have to adapt to your game between playing for AMIAB and playing for GB, and if so, how?
2: Yes. Um, in terms of for me, without it sounding like, uh, arrogant, it doesn't mean like this, and I'll explain it very quickly. Um, International slightly easier. So in club, obviously you go to fourteen point five instead of fourteen. Um, but then also within club, the, the deduction of points for women, for junior players and everything like that just means by virtue of the fact of it, that there's going to be more big uh, players on the floor yeah. or higher pointed players on the floor. So I find that international, sorry, within club, I can go up against free forwards and that's obviously harder for me to do, whereas yeah. internationally it's generally a straight matchup.
0: Sure. Yeah. Playing a 14 means, yeah, you as a four or five don't have to deal with as much on the other end. That makes sense. Cool. What's your favorite color?
1: Uh, red for Liverpool.
0: Nice, boo. And- <laughs> you say as
1: you wear an, as you wear an orange vest. By the way, yeah, the, if- the Amiab vests are actually the colour of our logo and all our branding. So thank That's you. That's why I wore, that.
2: I wore it. I wore it just for that, mate. I was thinking of you.
0: Of course you did. Cool. <laughs> uh, last question: Is a calzone a sandwich?
2: No, no, no. because it's not. Uh, you don't seal a sandwich.
1: Exactly. that I That's saw it. I saw this question earlier on and I thought, well, if a Calzone is a sandwich, then a Cornish pasty is a sandwich. and Yeah, a, a Cornish calzone's pasty. Is... <laughs> hey, I'm going
2: quick, to quickly answer in terms of my All-Star 5 um, and it's the one which I love playing with because I thought it was the best tournament I had and it was a good few years ago, so maybe I've actually developed as a player since then, but I loved in 2017, so uh, it was in GB, but now club as well. I'll go with me kyle harry gaz and abdi um <laughs> in terms of just because that's what i loved at playing with it and i'm going to do international so that works because of the deductions of points and how it can change for uh, yeah. club.
1: cool solid thanks up. lee yeah thanks i'm gonna get a shot on up.
2: that i've got so many different answers as well let me quickly just shout out you yeah, know there's about 12 different players i love as well <laughs> i mean i love i love phil i love ian i love simon brad i love uh, Adio, uh love
1: you all. it's fine. we'll send a message afterwards right we're gonna get out of here then man thank you very much for being on with us we appreciate it and you were able to get on here so quick that if we ever need a short notice guest we'll be coming to you in future
2: yeah apart from you probably want a guest who can actually say some good content rather than rubbish i said Well, yeah Uh, this is all amazing (laughs) thanks so much for coming on
1: and you're
0: welcome back whenever you want so yeah you've got nobody else i'm I'm available (laughs) love it Just like this time. All right. Seriously, thanks very much for listening, guys. Um, guys. Peace out. Take it easy.